Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. Most of us probably have some kind of experience or something in our lives where basically there's just something that we hate about something that's happened to us, uh, something maybe about the way that we feel like we are, uh, something that we just wish we could change about our lives, about ourselves, or about our circumstances, but can't really do so. Uh, Maybe you're thinking right now about something in your life that seems to fit that description. Well, what I want us to do today is for us to see the divine providence and the beauty of those things in our lives. Because we're going to look at the Apostle Paul as he talks about what he called a thorn in the flesh, something that he clearly did not like, something that he repeatedly prayed would go away, but didn't, and how he came around to see that it was actually a good and beautiful thing that brought him closer to Christ. And I hope all of us, when you think about some of the pain in your life, something that you do not like, something that you've repeatedly prayed to go away, how can we find a new perspective, a fresh perspective on those things? And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. Now, to set some context, remember, this is a church that has been a problem And there's people in the church seemingly attacking the Apostle Paul, unfairly criticizing him with things that aren't even true. And he has kind of been forced, you can tell he doesn't like it, but to defend himself, to talk about his ministry resume. And so that's why the first words in the chapter are, I must go on boasting. Uh, And then you see he doesn't like it. There's nothing to be gained by it. But then he goes on to talk about He knows a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, Now, I want to say I I believe, and I think most commentators agree, that this man that Paul is talking about is himself. Uh, That he was the man, and that would make sense when he's kind of talking about, you're forcing me to go on boasting, that he was the man who was caught up into heaven. Now, imagine that for a moment. Imagine being able to get a glimpse into heaven and how that would make you feel and how that would make you think, right? Well, what an incredible experience that must have been. And so he's now identifying this that to keep, and this is another reason why I think it's clearly Paul, verse seven. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So there we see the introduction of this idea. There was a thorn in the flesh. And there's a lot of speculation about what this might have been. Some people talk about a physical ailment, maybe, but I think the phrase messenger of Satan should give us some clue, but some kind of opposition, some kind of pain in Paul's life. Uh, But even now he's introducing it as saying, this was done for a purpose. God put this in my life for a spiritual purpose, in this case, to keep me from becoming conceited. And then he says uh, that 
in verse 8 that three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So he now is repeatedly praying to God, take this thing, this messenger of Satan, this harassment I'm experiencing, take it away. And God doesn't seem to do so. But instead, God responds by saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say some pretty amazing things. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, as we think about those things, you see Paul not only learns to simply accept this thing in his life that is causing him pain, this thing that he doesn't like, he moves on from acceptance to full embrace of it. That he learns to say, no, I will boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak, then I am strong. And so that's a good reminder for us. Is there something in your life that is causing you pain? Something in your life that you have asked God to take away or to change? We need to start to see that whatever it is, if we are a believer or if you are a believer, that is whatever that thing is, it is there for a purpose. God has put it in your life and not because he is mad at you or angry at you, but Because he wants to make you more like Christ. And he wants to show you that his grace is sufficient. Because what you're going to be tempted to say is, well, I need this thing dealt with. I need this thing changed. And God wants to tell you, no, you don't. What you need is my grace. You need my grace. It is enough for you. And we need to realize a lot of those painful things in our life that keep us from being who we want to be or doing what we want to do sometimes, they're there to help us rely more on God, to keep us from being conceited or overly self-sufficient, but to build our trust in God. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Can you say that? Can you look at the things in your life that you would think, man, this is a weakness and start to see, you know, this is actually a strength because this weakness has forced me to rely more and more on God and the grace of Jesus Christ. I hope you can see that. And even today, if there's something that you have been repeatedly praying for, And it seems clear that God is not changing what you're asking for. Maybe today needs to be the day where you go to God and say, God, I think what you're telling me is your grace is sufficient for me. And whatever this thing is I'm frustrated by, I'm going to learn to actually embrace it and see how it can draw me closer to you. And I hope that encourages all of us today. Well, let's comment briefly on our three other passages for today. First, let's just go back to the Gospel of Luke, where we meet uh, two interesting characters, Simeon and Anna. And Simeon is a unique character that was promised. Uh, we don't know how exactly, and we don't know how long uh, this this was, but he was uh, promised that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So we don't know 
Again, the details of that, was that something that was promised 50 years ago uh, and now he's lived all this time? Was he exceptionally old? Uh, We do not know exactly how all that worked, but what we do know is he was told that he would see the Lord's Christ. And remember, Christ is another word for Messiah. So again, here's a very clear claim in the beginning of Luke that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ. And we see him respond in verse 29. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And so there even we see how from the beginning, right, still soon after Jesus's birth, this is when they came to present him before the Lord, um, Even from the beginning of that time, Jesus was not just a savior for the people of Israel, but a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that the Lord's Christ is for all people. And so we see that there with this report of of Simeon, and then we see Anna also meeting this savior, and the chapter or the reading today ends with verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I love how that's put, those who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, that that redemption is here through Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice in that. And we can thank God. We know about the Lord's Christ. We know who the Messiah is. And we can praise God that he has come. Uh, Now let's go back to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is we continue in verses 9 through uh, 16. And it talks about the Ephraimites, how they turned back in the day of battle. And what was the problem for this unfaithfulness? Well, they had forgotten God's works and the wonders that he had shown them. And then it goes on to talk about some of these wonders, the dividing of the sea, uh, the leading with the cloud by day and the fire by night, rocks splitting in the wilderness and water coming out from the rocks. You know, these miracles of the Old Testament, he said they were unfaithful because they didn't remember these. And we need to realize uh, some of our own unfaithfulness in our own Christian walk is going to come um, from a forgetfulness of the great things that God has done. So are you being tempted in some way today? Well, throw your memory back on the great things that God has done and remember those things that are meant to strengthen your faith. Well, finally, we're going to go back now to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapters 11 and 12. And as we look at these chapters, we're going to read the story of a young king named Joash, or later referred to as Jehoash. And uh, this tells the story, really, is we saw Jehu kind of clear house yesterday. Uh, Well, this queen, Athaliah, she does her best to uh, kill. Really, we need to see this in a bigger context. She wants to wipe out all the, the kings in the line of David, right? She wants to really cause God to break a promise. Uh, And so that's something you might not pick up just reading through this. But remember, God has made a promise. One of your sons will always sit on the throne. And here is Athaliah trying to wipe them out. But it just so happens uh, that one of these sons survives. Uh, There we can see a clear evidence of the providence of God here, keeping his promise to David, preserving the line of the Messiah as Joash is hidden 
and eventually is anointed king. And clearly Athaliah doesn't like this. She comes shouting treason, treason, but she is taken out of the temple and killed. And Joash becomes king at an early age and pretty instantly and and largely thanks to the influence of this priest named Jehoiada, uh, they're instantly tearing down the house of Baal and destroying the altars. This was a good thing in Israel. And we see Joash uh, leading some repairs of the temple that uh, the temple of the Lord had fallen into disrepair during this time of idolatry. And they're going to set about fixing that. Now, one thing we'll see more in depth as we go through first and second Chronicles is that it's a sad story that Joash only seemed to be faithful while this priest Jehoiada was alive. And that could be a good check from this chapter. Hey, are you really following the Lord or are you just kind of being dragged along by someone else spiritually? Uh, Maybe we should check our own hearts on that. Uh, We don't want our story to end like Joash's does, but let's hope that it begins like his does with this faithfulness and this uh, really taking out idolatry in, in Israel and in the kingdom of Judah. That was a good thing. So I hope this has encouraged you today, but again, just to remind kind of the theme for today, just going back to 2 Corinthians 12, thinking about that thorn in the flesh that Paul might have had and whatever thorn in the flesh you might feel that you have. And I hope we move past even merely just accepting those things to really embracing those things and boasting of those things and letting those things draw us closer to Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.